All right. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, we do have a, we are, it's a great worship service. I uh, really enjoyed hearing the, the guys that ran the Spartan race and thanks for the fundraising they did. And it is great to have Precious back and doing her a special thing and to see her family. It's, can't wait to talk to you afterwards. But uh, it is just an awesome time of the year, isn't it? Christmas is my favorite time of year. Now, our series we're doing throughout the month is called The Gift. And I want to share about a, a time in my life when uh, Christmas sort of went through a change for me. I was probably in junior high school, and in my family, we always threw a big Christmas party. Oh yeah, the high school kids, you are dismissed, sorry. It's in my notes and I forgot to mention it. But uh, uh, we always threw a big Christmas party on Christmas Eve. And then, uh, you know, I always wanted to go to bed that night because my favorite thing about Christmas from the time I can remember was waking up in the morning and seeing all the new gifts that were put out there. Now, somewhere in the journey of my life, I figured out that it was my parents that did that, not Santa. I don't actually remember. I don't have that moment. Some of you have that moment. I don't remember. But I was probably in junior high school and our party was over and my dad and I were hanging out late and uh, all these fire engines started barreling down our street, right? right we live in a cul-de-sac, but right at the end of our, our street and, uh, and they stop. And so my dad and I get up, it's probably midnight. And we wander out there to see what's going on. And literally like four or five houses away, there was a fire, a mattress or something had caught on fire and the fireman dragged it out, hosed it off in the middle of the street. And uh, there it was. Uh, you know, and, and after several minutes of watching all this, I, I decided to make my way back home and I went in, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning or so I walk in and all the presents are out <laughs> and I had that like moment of excitement. And then I had this real letdown because it was like, I'm not going to see him in the morning. Like there's no, there's no Christmas morning now. I ruined it. I, I saw the presents come out at night and apparently my mom thought I had gone to bed, didn't know I was outside. And so she put all the presents out. And as try as I might, I went to bed, I got up in the morning, I went out there and it was the same presence and it was such a letdown. I was so disappointed. And, and you know, uh, Christmas was just never the same for me after that. It's still my favorite time of the year, but it just was a bummer to have seen the presence early, you know, for me. Our series today, or our lesson for today is called The Gift of John the Baptist. So we're going to look at John chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 6 of John chapter 1. Let's pray before we read. Father, thank you for this time to be together. Thank you for Christmas, and I pray that your Spirit is with us this morning. Speak through us, through your Word, and bring us closer to our faith in you and an understanding of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. John chapter 1, verse 6. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now this was written some 2,000 years ago by a man we call the Apostle John. He was a close personal friend of Jesus Christ, knew him well, and he himself had no doubt whatsoever that Jesus was the Christ. Jesus' name, you know, his first name wasn't Jesus and his last name Christ. Christ was a title. And so we call him Jesus Christ, but it really should be Jesus the Christ. The word Christ meant Messiah or anointed one. The special person that God had promised for centuries to the Jewish people would come and deliver them and all the world from their bondage. Not just their bondage 
in terms of slavery to Rome or, sub, sub, uh, or submission to uh, other world authorities, but their bondage from sin. So the Apostle John walked and lived with Jesus for three years. He knew him well, and he had no doubt who Jesus was. However, when he wrote his letter, he wrote it so that others would believe. And at the time, there weren't that many believers in Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ himself was not widely known at the time. He grew up in Palestine. He never traveled more than maybe 120 miles in his entire life. He never really left the area. He was not a statesman. He was not an elected official. He was not a military leader. In fact, when he died, there was only a few people there at his death that, even, that, that, that believed in him anymore. And so here's John the Apostle, and he wants to tear, share his faith about Jesus Christ. He wants to tell the world so that others would believe in him, but he has a problem. How are you going to get other people to listen to you when you yourself aren't all that big of a deal either? So John the, Bap John the Apostle refers to a guy named John the Baptist. That's who he's talking about here. Now, John the Baptist is a completely different story. He was maybe the most credible person in Israel at the time. Even more so than the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and even the high priest. John the Baptist was a well-known and well-loved figure. He was extremely credible in the eyes of the everyday Jew. The funny thing is that John the Baptist was already dead at the point that, at the, by, by the time John wrote his gospel. But John the Baptist was still loved and revered long after his death. And he was still considered a credible source. So let's read on. We're going to skip down to verse 19. So John the Apostle wants to share his testimony and convince people that he's good, that, you know, about his faith and belief in Jesus Christ. And right off the bat, he begins talking about John the Baptist because John the Baptist had credibility. He had street cred. The Apostle John didn't have much at the time. Verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said. Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am worthy to untie. So John the Baptist was a hero to many, many Jews at the time. He was widely known to be full of the Spirit of God. He was believed to be a prophet. He was one of the most influential figures in Israel at the time. He was born somewhere around 5 BC. His parents were devout believers. He was raised in the rugged Judean wilderness. He was more wild man than he was speaker. Yet thousands of people in his day came out to hear him and to be baptized by him in the River Jordan. And that's why the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, the heads of the Jewish faith, sent representatives. They asked, Jewish leaders sent priests and Levites. They sent representatives 
to go meet with John the Baptist to find out who he was and what was he all about. Now John himself, he didn't claim to be anyone. He just said, look, I'm, I'm only a voice. He didn't take any credit. He didn't draw any attention to himself. He could have, but he didn't. Let's make sure that this time of the year, it is Christmas, and we're going to be in lots of parties and lots of gatherings, and we have lots of people we're going to interact with, maybe even out shopping. Let's make sure that we don't turn Christmas into Joe-miss or John-miss or Ivan-miss. Let's, let's keep Christ in Christmas this year. Let's not make it about us. Let's make it about Jesus Christ. Let's not even make it about our kids. Let's not even make it about the people we want to give gifts to or our friends and family. Let's make it about Jesus Christ. That's what John did when they came to him. He said, look, I'm just a voice. I'm no one. Don't focus on me. There's someone out here who, who none of us are even worthy to untie his sandals. Let's keep Christ in Christmas. We'll read on. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man comes after me. He surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will, bap who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. So the, the following day, when the, af the day after the, the representatives from Jerusalem show up out there in the wilderness of Judea among all these thousands of people that are out there to hear John the Baptist, and they're there and they want to know who he is and what he's all about, and they're questioning him and quizzing him, he gives them very little to go with. I'm just a voice. You know, I'm not the one. I'm not the Messiah, but I am a voice. The following day, there's John the Baptist. He's out there in the wilderness and he sees Jesus. And instantaneously, he recognizes Jesus as the chosen one, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who would take away the sin of the world. And as soon as he sees him, it just blurts out of him. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but this is a very important phrase here. This is the one I meant when I said. What's he referring to in that sentence? He's referring to the day before when he had the conversation with the representatives of the Jewish leaders. And he had mentioned that statement. Here's the funny thing. The implication in the passage is that they were still with him. They had hung over overnight. They were still there. They were hanging around. They came in yesterday. They met with him. They had some dialogue. But apparently they hadn't left yet. And they were still there with John when he saw Jesus. And when he made this exclamation, look, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, he said it in front of them, the Jewish representatives uh, that came from Jerusalem. John was not shy about who Jesus Christ was. As soon as he saw him, he couldn't help it. He just blurted it out right there to the religious leaders, the investigators. They were there to see him, but he saw Jesus and he said, there he is, that's the guy you're looking for. Now this phrase, Lamb of God, it's a messianic title. I mentioned this a minute ago. It, re it refers to a promised Savior. Throughout the Jewish Jews' history, there was always this promise that one would come and, and deliver them from their bondage, specifically their slavery to other nations. The Jews were always getting in trouble with the nations around them, and they were always getting conquered and defeated, and they wanted to be saved from that. They wanted their own kingdom. 
And so they had this promise that was always being given by God through prophets, and they understood it to be that they would have a king who would, who would take over the world and they would become the great nation. But that that's wasn't actually a great, accurate understanding of who the Messiah was because the Messiah turned out to be the one who would take away the sins of the world. In other words, he came to free them from their sin, their bondage to slavery, their slavery to sin, their bondage to sin. And not only them, but the whole world, everyone as well. But the point is, this phrase, Lamb of God, is messianic. It, it meant something to the people. And when John blurted it out in the presence of those representatives, there was a shake that went on. There was a stunned silence, probably, among those representatives. What did you just say? That's the Messiah? That was a big deal at the time. There was no ambiguity here. John was very clear, and he even gives reasons to why he knew it was him. He said, God gave me a revelation. When I would see the Spirit come down on him. I would, I would see it happen. That would be the one. You know, in a funny way, when you think about the ministry of John the Baptist, here he was, this crazy guy out in the wilderness. Not, you know, he, he was more like a possessed person than he was a sane person. But he had an audience. People liked him. I, I, you know, you ever just meet someone like that? They're just, for whatever reason, you just can't stop liking them. They're like, they're like the craziest person you know. And you're like, I would never want to, you know, hang out with them for very long. But I don't know why I love this guy. And, and, you know, and you're just around him. That's John the Baptist. People kept coming. They loved what he had to say. They loved what he was doing out there in the, in the desert. He'd say the hard things. He'd say the difficult things. He'd, he'd call out uh, hypocrisy in anyone and everyone. I mean, he was hardcore. He wore a camel's outfit, a hair outfit. He looked like, a, like we think of prophets in the pictures. That's what he looked like. He ate locusts and wild honey. Probably didn't cut his hair. I mean, he was a rough dude. Grew up in a rough area. And people loved John the Baptist. He was just a hero. And for him to make this statement was earth-shattering. It was intense. It was massive. It meant something at the time. That's why John, the Apostle John, used this story at the beginning of his testimony, because he wanted to say, look, John the Baptist and I happen to agree on who this Jesus character is. It gave John credibility for the rest of his story, the rest of his testimony. It's why he used it. But it's really interesting because, you know, John had this ministry that was given to him by God. He said, the reason I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed. So, you know, there's a part of John's ministry as crazy and awesome as wild as he was. I can't help but think, was John the Baptist like in the water and every time somebody come in, he'd go, is that him? Nope, next one. Is that him? Next one. I mean, there's a part of that that it seems like John the Baptist was trying to find the Messiah. He had been told by God, that he'd find him, he'd see this miraculous thing happen. And sure enough, when he saw Jesus, it happened. And that's how he knew who Jesus was. That's how he figured out who the Messiah was. He didn't know right off the bat. What an interesting idea. When you think about it, God's got a sense of humor in this whole story that's kind of funny. So John figures out who Jesus is. He makes the statement. He tells these guys, these representatives. And not only that, he explains how he came to know this. Let me ask you a question. Do the people around you know that you believe in Jesus the Christ? Are you as unambiguous, as clear as John the Baptist was? How about this? Do your kids know? Does your spouse know? Does your family, does your best friend know? Are you willing to be a bit of a wild man this Christmas time? Because if, you, if they don't know, now's a good time. Now's a good time for people to know this. Are you willing to be a bit of a wild man? Go out on a limb. And tell people, 
you know what, I, I believe in Jesus the Christ. And like John, point people in His direction. Let's read on. Verse 35. It says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. See, John didn't stop saying it. You know, he didn't say it once and give up. I mean, apparently he just kept saying it. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The implication here is that John was the other one of the two. So it was probably John and Andrew. So they, they heard it. They followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon Peter and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. So another day passes. Now, I don't know if the representatives from Jerusalem had left. Like, whoa, John the Baptist this wild man seems to think this guy named Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know if they were gone at this point, headed back to report that back to the, to the leaders in Jerusalem or not. But, but it's the next day, and this time John's got two of his followers with him because John was a, was a preacher. He gathered followers as well. And when he saw Jesus again, he made the same statement to his two followers. And they immediately turned and followed Jesus. Now, the word followed here is a technical word. It means literally followed. It doesn't mean figurative. They didn't become followers of Jesus Christ. They just followed him. It's literal. They went, oh, and they turned and they just started following Jesus physically right behind him. And so Jesus is walking and then he has to stop and like, you know, he wa- you know, and it's like, what do you guys want? Well, they were there because John the Baptist had said, there's the lamb of God. They believed John the Baptist. He was a credible, a reliable witness. So they began to follow. They went with Jesus. They ended up spending about a half a day with Him. And by the end of that day, they were absolutely convinced He was the Messiah. One of them went back and got his older brother, Peter, and told him, we have found the Christ. You know, this really speaks to how influential John the Baptist really was. With a word, with a sentence, that's the guy, and two of his followers immediately go and go investigate to find out who Jesus is. He really was an incredible, influential person. And, and you know, John the Apostle, in retelling this story at the beginning of his own testimony, is very purposeful because he wants to make a connection. He wants people to realize that John the Baptist endorsed Jesus Christ, just like John the Apostle in his letter was going to endorse Jesus Christ. The, the, the implication there is, Hey, if John the Baptist believes this, and, and, you know, and, and you're reading John, the Gospel of John for the first time, there might be some sense of you that goes, well, maybe, maybe I should actually listen. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe I should pay a little closer attention. I mean, for crying out loud, John the Baptist believed this. That's how influential John the Baptist was. And, you know, and this really brings me to the gift of John the Baptist. It was his belief in Jesus Christ. That's what he gave to the people around him. To even two of his own followers. This is my gift to you. Jesus Christ. I believe in him. So should you. You know, you may not be as influential, you and I, 
we may never be as influential as John the Baptist. I don't know if any of us are willing to wear camel's hair, eat locusts and wild honey, and go out to the desert of Judea and start yelling at people to repent. If you do stuff like that, you might become kind of influential. You might be put away in a hospital. I don't know. <laughs> but none of us will probably ever get to this point of influence like John the Baptist. But you know, it doesn't matter to the people who you influence. Your mom, your sister, your brother, your son, your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, it doesn't matter to them. If you're Mr. Influential, what matters to them is are you going to influence them? Are you willing to be that person? Are you willing to be like John the Baptist and give your gift of belief to your coworker, to your children, to your neighbors, to your workplace? Yesterday, uh, many of us got to go down to the LAUSC County Medical Center and we celebrated uh, the For the Need holiday party for kids. You guys know last week we collected a bunch of toys. Well, that's where the toys go. They go to this party and a bunch of us go down there and volunteer. We throw a big party and, and you know, we give the gifts away to the kids. Several hundred gifts to, there was probably a couple hundred kids there, a couple hundred people for sure with families and everything. And, and it's an incredible time. It's just awesome to see the kids and to see them just be so excited about the gifts that they give. I made it a personal point when I was there because I know it's USC, and uh, you know, SC's got issues. It wasn't, I mean, UCLA be a whole different story, but SC, anyways. But I, I made a personal point to say Merry Christmas loudly to everybody I saw. Now, in the scale of things, what a whoop-de-doo. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not really going out on a limb, am I? But you know, I did it on purpose because I wanted people to say it back to me, and I wanted them to know that I believe in Christmas. The whole idea of Jesus Christ. The cool thing about this party was I would do that and people would say it back and everything was good. But what was really cool is on more than one occasion in, during the party, I was able to go even further and invite people out to church. Or at least tell them about the, the, the great things that we're trying to do at church. Very small. But, but it mattered to them. In that moment, it was important in that moment. To me and to them. We're going to have a lot of good talks over the holidays. You're going to have some time to connect with people. Your, again, your kids, your friends, your whoever, co-workers. And I would encourage you to pass your belief on. Whatever way you can do that, even, whether it's small or large, it matters. Right. And you can pass it on to them. So I told you at the beginning... Christmas was never the same after I saw the presents at 2 a.m. And I went to bed hoping that somehow somebody would put some more out so I could get that excitement, but it didn't happen. And honestly, it's just never been the same since. It's kind of lost the surprise for me. But in some ways, it actually got better. Because it's no longer about me being surprised, but it's what I do for my kids now. You know, to see the surprise in their eyes when the extra, pe extra presents are put out at night. It's, it's something I love to do because I love to do it for them. It's not about me seeing the presents. It's about them seeing them for the first time. And I can't help but wonder, when John the Baptist was there with his two disciples and he said, look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin from the world, and his two followers left, I can't help but wonder if that was really thrilling for him in that moment. Man, 
All they had to say is, there he is, and they went. I mean, the day before, it was his big surprise. That's the Lamb of God. I mean, it blurted out of him. The next day, he knew who Jesus was. The surprise wasn't all that big of a deal to him, but it was important for his two friends. And when he said, there he is, and they left, I can't help but wonder if John the Baptist felt a little bit about what I feel when, when I see my kids come out and see the presence for the first time. I can't help but wonder if there wasn't some excitement in his heart. Because there's something incredible about being inspired to believe in Jesus Christ, but there's something even more incredible about seeing someone else become inspired to believe in Jesus Christ. And that's John's gift. So let's, let's give John's gift away this Christmas time. We're going to stand. We'll close out with a final song. And that'll be our dismissal. Wait a minute, I don't want you to worry because...